My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Intuition is always right in at least two important ways. It is always in response to something, and it always has your best interest at heart. Gavin DeBecker, The Gift of Fear, the book I can't seem to stop talking about. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so happy to be here to chat with y'all about the power of intuition, not only for personal safety, as we touched on last week in our special about stalking, but for a groovier sex life, for healing and more. Joining us today is a fantastic expert. Sophia Wiseman has been professionally empowering people to know, love, and express their authentic self for over 15 years. She has taught at Omega Institute in New York for 15 years and has thousands of hours of training in body work, healing practices, community development, women's wisdom, menstrual reclamation, red tent practices, communication, and a whole lot more. She is obsessed with self-expression, freedom, and liberation of people, the planet, spirit, and the mystery of all things. I love that. Welcome, Sophia. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. So I'm really fascinated by you and your work and your personal journey. And I read on your website that you were a child mystic. Could you kind of share what that means? Yeah, it's funny. I use that term um, to kind of bring people in. But really, I think most children are. Um, what I refer to is being intact. So when I was born, like a lot of us as little tiny beings, kind of bridging between the worlds, um, we have a lot of access to this material world, but also kind of beyond the veil or kind of the subtle body or uh, the kind of the great mystery, all the different things we kind of want to call that um, kind of invisible things that we experience with. And so I came in intact, like many of us do. Um, only I think one of the biggest things that was different in my life is that I grew up in a family that really um, listened and honored how intact I was. So I came in with stories about before I was born. I told them about the conversations I had with God and why I picked them as my family when I was very little. And not only did they listen to these stories, but they remembered them and told them back to me. And so from really early on, I had these experiences of my uh, intuitive or sensitive self. Um, what does my dad call it? He said, I always kind of lived in like the, that what is it called? Uh, the thin space. My mm. wife filling me in there. Um, the That I've always existed in the thin space, kind of the space between um, that bridges. And um, so I, you know, what that looked like when I was a kid was I had a mirror that was from my grandfather who I'd never met, but I would have like full length conversations um, with that mirror with him. I felt this very deep connection with him. And um, I would, you know, have kind of conversations with my animals. And I was um, 
very sensitive to people's bodies, always could kind of really sit very quiet and listen from a very deep place, which at the time people told me was like not something that all kids did, you know, that I could kind of really be present and in kind of a very whole way um, and was very kind of loving and affectionate. And so I don't think that I was actually that special, um, except that I think we all come in with some of our, we come in with our gifts and I have, I have some, some of my gifts are my sensitivity. Um, but I also grew up in a family that said, yeah, those are gifts. And so they didn't get shut down. I hear lots and lots of stories of like people being like, yeah, I used to see colors. And then I told the first adult I ever saw that I saw colors around a person and they said, no, you don't. And then I never saw colors again. Wow. That's so interesting. And I love what you said about your family embracing these as gifts. And we live in a culture that, you know, sometimes doesn't see the same. So did you find that you were able to cherish and nurture these gifts outside of your home as well? Uh, <laughs> well, yes, and absolutely not, for sure. Um, I, again, my, I know I kind of came from this program. My mom was an actress and in the uh, 70s learned yoga, you know, and uh, my dad's a organizational psychologist and kind of into like positive therapy, you know, like therapeutic stuff, you know. So I had these parents that were pretty progressive and out there. And so I was exposed to various things, but um, I was always weird. I was always weird. I got called a freak and a weirdo and um, different um, in my kind of all through my childhood and my teens and my adulthood. Um, I've been called kind of all of those names and definitely kind of signaled out for being different. And in that way, they were not always received as gifts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was definitely like isolated and, and, and hard in that way. Um, but I also was incredibly resourced. I had really good progressive education early on in my life. Later in life, I was in the Philadelphia public school system that was art based. So even though I wasn't spiritually supported in my school environment, I was artistically and the bridge between art arts and spirituality is like, there's no bridge. <laughs> like they're the same thing. Being in the creative is to me, it's being in the creative, being in the mm. creative source. So in that way, I was very supported in, in being in that intuitive, dynamic, changing, evolving self. Um, and then I was also, my mom was chronically ill with chronic fatigue syndrome when I was a child, which ended up being a huge blessing for me, although it was also a challenge and set me up with lots of beautiful wounds to kind of get to know myself intimately, um, and have a lot of empathy for other people because she wasn't recognized as having any real illness at that time in the eighties. It wasn't recognized as a real um, condition. She could only find support in the alternative health world. So by the time I reached my teens, I was in this world of yoga and acupuncture and, and, um, body work and shamanics and storytelling and really kind of way kind of out there medicine. So um, between that and the kind of things that I was exposed to through my teen years, I had a lot of support and started learning skills. And I was hungry to learn those skills. Like that was one of the things is that when something came my way, I always snagged it right up and mm. said like, you know, like got as much as I could everything constantly learning whenever anybody was like more sensitive or more intuitive, I would kind of cling to them and, and learn whatever I could from them. Beautiful. It's so interesting. And I love that you work with so many different people in so many different areas of their lives. And mm. one that you specialize in or, or have experience with is people who are going through um, abuse or assault recovery. And yeah. I'm curious, what are some of the ways that 
Because I know we've talked about intuition as kind of a protector as far as, you know, I'm going into danger. But right. But I don't hear a lot about it in the healing process. Oh, my gosh. Intuition to me. So intuition is kind of I was thinking about this before we talked. Intuition is kind of a catch all phrase. So it's, I kind of want to like take a moment and like define our terms. Like, what are we talking about when we're talking about intuition? Um, and to me, one of the things that I'm talking about is a is a body wisdom. Intuition sometimes can be like a physical experience that can't be explained or justified right off the bat from like a rational perspective. It's a knowing, right? And so it can be from the body experience, which is kind of my, that's kind of where I'm going to lean towards, I think probably, because that's my, been my main tool for cultivating my intuition was, is my body. Um, But it can also come that, that, uh, that intuition, that hit, that knowing is that knowing that is, is, is kind of in that in between in that in between space, like something you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick up on, but for whatever reason you are, and so it has a, a subtleness to it. Um, I actually forgot your question. Oh, so when it comes to healing, when we're in the healing after right. trauma, okay. after an incident, after trauma, after trauma. So, so, to, so okay. So that's where the body. Be. Okay, so healing, the intuition with healing is our. My, my experience of intuition, it is our guide in, in being whole. And my definition, one of my favorite definitions of, of healing is healing means becoming more whole, which means we're already whole to begin with, no matter how broken or fucked up we feel, we are whole. And that healing is becoming more whole. It's, a, it's an expansive changing process that's a continuation. And so intuition to me is the, is the partner of that of that continuation of holing ourselves. Does that make sense? It does. I love that definition. I've never heard it before. It's, it's powerful. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, I don't even remember who first said kind of healing means um, to become more whole, but it has not left me. Yeah, um, I like and it. yeah, so that, so it's this, the intuition is that path of kind of leading you towards your wholeness, remembering, um, wisdom that may be from your ancestors, um, picking up on sensitivity that is in a room, right? Electromagnetic fields or someone's feelings around you. Empathy, uh, empathy is feeling someone else's feelings or feeling their physical sensations. These are, these are things that happen through what I think we kind of use through this catch term of, of intuition, like being able to read other people as well as being able to read your own self. So knowing an outside source as well as knowing your own self. So, the partnership in healing is when we have that intuitive connection with ourself, we are guiding ourselves into our, into the next evolution of who we really are. And because our wounds are often so much are defining of us, um, the process of healing is kind of how we gather what we've learned from those wounds and turn them into our strength and our wisdom and our moving forward. And so intuition is kind of like almost the pathway um, to kind of do that, to, to take that through is to trust yourself and to trust the experience that you have so much so that you can be a, a, a more of your self. 
Beautiful. I really love that whole concept of it being this guide and this almost like this superpower that gets stronger <laughs> as we nurture it. Uh, what about within a sexual or intimate relationship, um, especially when it comes to actually sex? A lot of times in our culture, there's a lot of kind of like performance based information and very technical, like this part and this yeah. part. So uh -huh. how do we bring uh, more of ourselves and our intuitive skills into the bedroom? Yeah. Okay, so a couple things. One is one of the, you talked about that that intuition or gets be, it gets better the more we practice it. But one of my favorite things is uh, I told you my my dad's a psychologist and he came back one time after doing learning some continuing ed and he said you know what they found out that uh, that people who use their intuition uh, their intuition gets stronger when they get feedback on whether or not uh, what they thought was happening was happening or not. And that it got stronger whether they were right or they were wrong. Okay? So like, so let's say I have an intuitive sense that the person sitting across from me is feeling really sad and they're feeling sad because, and I have this feeling that somebody died, right? So, and you could, this could be a lover, I guess I could use, but I'll stick with this one and we'll, we'll get to lover. So, so if I, if I, if I put it out there and I say, you know, I just, I have this, I just really feeling that you're really sad and I'm just wondering, like, did somebody die? And they say, um, no, I am feeling sad, but no, somebody didn't die. That kind of quote unquote, like that negative feedback or feedback is actually equally as constructive to building your intuition as if they just said yes. Wow. It's equally, if not more, it actually strengthens your intuition. So one of the things that I talk about kind of getting to know your intuition is to really put it to bat, to really like actually really use it. And it's very vulnerable because you want the feedback because usually the intuition is absolutely right. It's our, it's our interpretation or our translation of that feeling where we, where we get a little messy because usually what we do is we put our story, our own, we project our own uh, reasoning for why we would feel something onto what we're feeling outside of us. Wow, that's so interesting. It reminds me, the um, Gavin DeBecker, who wrote the book I quoted earlier, talks about us being the only species that we talk ourselves out of what our intuition says. So, that's right. You know, <laughs> that's it's like, like such a great quote. And there, there's yeah. this great um, example he shares where, you know, and we've all been in this situation where, like, we're about to get onto an elevator and somebody's getting on with us and we feel scared. And we feel yep. this fear, this fear feeling, and we get on anyway because we tell ourselves, "Oh, it's just a person. I'm overreacting." Right. Blah blah blah. But we are going into a metal box that closes right. a small space. If that was an animal, they would be out of there like 20 right. minutes ago. No way. Yeah. Right. Yes. Totally. So how do we totally. move past that? That, oh, that talking ourselves yeah. out of it. Oh, it's so good. It's I, that that is the for me. It's this place of. How do we, because that ability to talk ourselves out of our intuition is very interesting. It's like the language that I use is the difference between instinct and intuition. And that instinct is that like kind of like animal, human, an instinctual wisdom, right? Instinct is not a negative thing at all here. Instinct is like mad wisdom. It's how we exist on a planet is all of the instinct. Um, but it's very fast and it's very um, pattern oriented. So if something is familiar to something else that we associate with danger or negativity or problematic, our instinct is to get us out or to fight or to freeze. Like our instinct is to respond in some way similar to a previous experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
intuition is more dynamic because intuition can give you guidance that is beyond just your past. It's about picking up sensitivity, not only in the moment, but actually I think of it as like when you're really connected to, um, uh, intuitively, there's almost like everybody has a momentum, a vibrational momentum. And when, if you can feel that vibrational momentum, you can see where it's going as much as you can see where it's coming from. It's just a snapshot, right? That the, the, the kind of the vibration, the sequence, the momentum that we're taking as a person is, is a continuum. And so if we get really good at our intuition, we can look at someone and see a vibrational sequence and say, oh, it came from here. But we can also say it's going there in the future. That's where intuition turns into psychic. But if you work with a lot of psychics, really good psychics, they'll tell you they're not predicting the future. They're just telling you where you're going to go if nothing changes. Uh, right? If nothing changes, this is the momentum path that you're on in this moment. In a moment, that can change. In a moment, that can change. And your vibrational pathway is then taking you in another direction. Ah, that is really fascinating. Really fascinating. And like you said, everything can change just in a snap. Uh, just a snap. Yeah. So could you give us an example? Because I'm trying to figure out, picture how this might manifest itself within a, say, a sexual situation or Great. a romantic situation. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So, um, uh, okay. So you're like, uh, you're in bed, things are feeling good, you're like half undressed, it's like things are going somewhere, and you get this like, um, okay, so like uh, instinct, right? I'll, we'll look at that for a second. Your partner says something or makes a face that an ex of yours has, and your instinct is like, oh God, they hate what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. Patterning. Okay. Like, oh God, they hate what I'm doing. Ugh. Instinct, you freeze, you fight, you um, do whatever it is, you have whatever response because you've done this, okay? intuition is you're in there, you have this moment and you get this feeling that like something's happening, something, right? And you look and they have, they're making this face and you're saying, oh, that face is kind of similar to what I used to see. And then the intu building your intuition, what you would do, what I'd recommend you doing is slowing down and then this is, this is the part where like the vulnerability and the honesty in, in, in our sex lives becomes incredibly important and um, essential, really, which is because then you slow down enough where you don't want to stop everything, right? That's the freeze thing. You don't want to stop everything and go, oh, no, there's a problem. You just want to slow down and say, I'm feeling something, right? I'm feeling something underneath the surface. Nobody's said anything. Nobody's done anything. And then, and then you – there's two things. One is if this is if you're new to this, this is where I say get feedback and you ask. You say I'm 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 look I'm looking at your face. I'm feeling this feeling. What's happening for you? Ah. What's happening for you? So you trust the intuition, but you don't assume you know what it's about. I see. Right? Yeah. What's happening. And they may say, you know, I just remembered like everything that I left at the grocery, I left half my bags at the grocery store on the bottom half, right? <laughs> and, you're like, and then, right, it's like, because like, that happens, you know, you're like in the yeah. zone and then you're like, oh, fuck. You know, yeah. like I totally, you relax, you remember something from early in the day where you totally were out of your mind. You come back, you know, and this is one of the powers of, of, of any spiritual practice and sex as a spiritual practice is you come into deep presence, you relax, and then you start remembering things. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that yeah. just happens. Like, you're like, oh, I'm relaxed. And you're like, oh, I forgot to call my mom. Yep. Oh my God, I left my groceries. Oh, I remember where my wallet is, right? Like you just like, you relax and then you remember things. And so it's like, oh, we don't need to stop. You just remember where your groceries are. And then the question, and then that, the kind of response of lover is like, do we need to do anything about that? And it's like, no, let's just, okay, no, it's fine. We'll come back to that. Or it's I like, love that. I- That's so interesting because I'm imagining it's so easy if you don't say something for your mind to lo- leap to the next moment and, and to also leap to all these possibilities. Like, oh my gosh, like you said, this, this person hates what I'm doing or, you know, your the imagination can just go wild. And, wild. and I yeah. also love that it wasn't accusatory. It wasn't. It was, I'm feeling this instead of, you're giving me this face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right, <laughs> exactly. Seems important, right? right. Or, or the, the, our, our instincts, if you're, if, you're, if you're wired like I I was for most of my life, to, to make it all about you, like to make the question, what am I doing wrong? I mean, literally, that can be the first thing out of someone's mouth. Like, am I, do you not like it? Am I not, what am I doing wrong? What do you not like about me right oh, now? Yeah. Like that, that's the thing that comes out. And then they're like, what? And then what happens is if they're actually having a subtle experience and you make it about you, right, then they're distracted. The chances of actually getting right into it, it, it gets more distant because you're picking up on something subtle, you know? And so it's like, oh, wait, it's about you? No, I like you. So you're having a conversation about like, no, I like you. That's fine. No, you're, you're good, you know, when really they've kind of, they're having their own subtle experience. And so intuition for me, because like I said, like sex puts us into that altered state, um, you know, we're having subtle experiences in our body. We're having obviously kind of wide, like big experiences as well. But a lot of sex is, is, is basically the culmination of subtle experiences, physically relaxing, uh, circulation increasing, and then like pulsing and rhythms, right? Like if we can allow ourselves to fall into that, but that all comes from this kind of subtle experience that then moves the body in like a larger way. And so when you get into the practice, the practice then becomes a habit, right? So it's like you practice it first on purpose and then over time that can become the habit. So I just want to flip this on the reverse because the other thing is you're having this thing, everyone's feeling really good, you look up, you see their face, you have this subtle feeling and you think, oh God, it's about them, but really the feeling you're having is about you. That's the other thing that can happen. Mm -hmm. Your intuition is picking up on something and you're going, oh, something, you look at their face and you're going, uh, and you want to make it about them. So again, to slow down and say, what's I'm noticing, I'm, I'm feeling something. I'm noticing your face. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what's happening. Is it me? Is it you? Because when we start to really get into that, into that altered space, we start to share energy. We share vibration. We're sharing our fields. We're sharing our bodies. And so it's okay that it gets a little blurry. We just want to be clear. It's like, it's okay to be a mess. It just means we need to be clear about it being a mess. Like everybody's safe if we agree that we're throwing paint all over the walls. But if we didn't agree to throwing paint in the walls and you walk in and someone's throwing paint on your walls, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I can see how this would really strengthen intimacy because it's, it takes some courage for many of us to say, even just to say, (laughs) I'm feeling something. I mean, isn't that interesting how that can be so scary? It's be so scary, especially if you look up and they're not having a bad face. You have this little feeling and you look up and they're like having a great time, you know, and you <laughs> yeah. and you're like, ah, something doesn't feel right. But it's not it's not that something doesn't feel right. It's like something, it's a subtle thing, you know, and it's like the practice of trusting that subtlety and giving that subtlety the space 
to clarify, because this is what we were talking about at the beginning. My, my, my youth and our culture is we squash subtlety. We say subtlety is it gets in the way. It makes things take longer is one of the big things like feelings make things take longer. And it's true. I say to my wife all the time, I'm like, we can't start having sex at nine o'clock at night. I am too, I'm too tired. I can't make the spaciousness for the subtlety. I'm tired and it's, you know, and I'm like, I'm passing out by 1030 and an hour and a half isn't enough time for me to really drop in to my subtle space because I'm healing a lot of my own stuff in terms of autonomy, power, past trauma. Like my sex needs to be spacious, <laughs> you know, like we yeah. kind of get into it and then something comes up and I go, okay, let's take a minute. Let's look around. You know, is this in you? Is this in me? It's probably in both of us because we're, this is where that healing, where sex becomes a healing practice, which is, you know, we are always reflections of each other. And so to, to voluntarily go into such intimate reflection with yourself is, um, it's a trip. And I think it's one of the reasons why people like to keep sex very physical and fast um, is because, it, and that's when I refer to kind of using it as sex or using sex or like getting, like using it from this get off perspective to like get off, which isn't a problem. But I just, to me, it's the same as like watching a movie, you know, like you're like, you're going, you're getting off, you're getting off the, you're taking a, you're taking a break versus using it as a practice to get to know yourself or to get to know someone mm. else. That is such yeah. a beautiful and so eloquent the way you were talking about even having respect around your own boundaries and being open with your partner and saying, you know, because I say by 9 p.m. I'm like a pumpkin. <laughs> I say my brain is a pumpkin. Totally. You said it like yeah. poetry and I'm like, I'm a pumpkin, but it kind of is a similar vibe. Um, <laughs> I think I might have to just hit play on this um, another time to to express myself so beautifully. But um, yeah, I love that, that you're forthright. And I imagine it's a muscle, the, the muscle of, you know, practicing using your intuition and trusting your instincts and intuition and also the communication piece that seems oh, gets God. easier over time, I imagine. So I want everybody who's listening right now who thinks like this is just like, how do you do like it just it is it is absolutely practice and it's so hard. It is like Brene Brown talks about vulnerability being excruciating. Like when you first start doing it, it is just excruciating. Like it's just, like it's just so you're like, oh, I am the epitome of not fun. Like I can't tell you how much time I was like, <laughs> oh, my I am like not the fun lover. Like Aww. I am just not fun right now. Oh, <laughs> you know, like. Cause it's just, you know, you're like disrupting yeah. the flow, but you're not, you're following the flow and you're getting to know a deeper flow. And I was going to say over time that can take you to much deeper levels of ecstasy and getting turned on so that the, the it gets very wild and it gets very fast. And with practice, the communication is right there. And it's like, Oh, bad angle. Like, Oh, I hold on. We got to like, just hold this, hold me, right. Hold my heart hold me, I'm having like a huge wave pass through. And there's the stillness in the middle of this big sex movement. And then it's like, okay, great, let's go. You know, mm. and that kind of that kind of um, sex that that I think sounds appealing to people like what you just kind of have all these big feelings, but then it feels good. And there's movement and you change position and there's no blame. And there's no nothing. It's like, it sounds good. It sounds like a fantasy, right? It sounds like too good to be true. But it it happens with practice. You know, yeah. or I often think it happens. It can happen when you have that one kind of connection with someone where you, 
early on when you have when you're willing when there's all the vulnerabilities out there and you love everything about the person you have the courage and you don't th- take things as personally a lot of the time but once you get into that relationship you're working on a deeper level and 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 you just got to put in the time and it pays off I love that. And it's so great to know, too, because like you said, if, if it is feeling excruciating, maybe it means that you're doing it right and just practice patience with yourself and let yourself. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. What if you're in a new relationship and, or you're just starting to date people? What yeah. role? Because so many feelings are flying around and, you know, we can feel afraid and excited and all these things. How do yeah. you kind of sort that out and, and really benefit mm. from your intuition in the dating process? Yeah. Well, I just wrote, I wrote, uh, this past spring, I think maybe it was last, whatever, uh, an article on what is adult sex and talking about like grown folk behavior as opposed to <clears throat> kind of getting high and running around behavior. Um, and one of the things that I talk about is, uh, that seduction and that zone of like, uh, when we're really turned on is a very powerful state and we are, uh, basically intoxicated, once we've gotten into the zone of like complete kind of, or not even complete halfway, once you start to get turned on, you start, you're getting like really altered. And so one of the things that I talk about in terms of early on is to just like, uh, make a lot of agreements and get really clear about what you want and what boundaries, you know, before you start getting the turn on, before you start getting the seduction happening, because because it's a little bit of a blurry space and it's supposed to be a blurry space, right? It's, it's the mess on the wall. Like that's the beauty. It's liberating. It's healing. It's expansive, you know, but it's like, you don't want to sign a contract when you're like, you know, like four drinks in, you know, you want to read the contract, sign the contract and then have four drinks and be like, that was a great contract. <laughs> totally. You know? So, so I think one of the things that I look at is it's this practice of really getting to know yourself and knowing what you don't know, right? And being willing to do this. Um, so I, you know, if you know that you want to be really kind of proactive and in having a healthy sex life, then like, you know, once you kind of have had a couple dates and you're getting in there, or if you go really deep on that first date, you're talking about really intimate stuff, then you talk about what kind of what sex looks like, feels like, what your known boundaries are, where your gray zones are. Um, talk about things like, is it easy for you to talk once you start making love or do you tend to get really quiet and have a hard time using your voice? You know, do you like to use your voice a lot? Um, you know, coming up with a plan of when something happens that doesn't feel right, how are you going to navigate it together? You know, and this to me is like people talk, when I talk about this, people are like that stuff you figure out when you're all invested. And I'm like, I'm always invested in my body. I'm always invested in my spirit. If I'm getting, if I'm always in bed, if we're in bed with our clothes off, I'm invested. (laughs) Like, you know, like for me, it's like my existence, my spirit, my casual experience is deeply spiritual and soulful. And I aim at it to be very whole and in integrity. And so, um, you know, I tend to say like, if you want to really have these kind of subtle, deep experiences in your sex life, you might want to take your time. Um, in Tantra, one of my Tantra teachers taught me that um, masculine dominated energy people have their um, uh, first chakra, their root, their first and second chakra are naturally very open and their hearts are more guarded. And uh, feminine dominated energy people, their hearts are naturally open and their root is uh, closed. 
And so the process of courting and the process of getting to know each other is so that you can, everybody can be open so that the feminine energy leads the heart open and the masculine energy and the masculine energy can uh, lead the feminine energy open. And the masculine energy does that through safety. And that's one of the things that I think we're the most fucked up about in our culture and our perceptions is that we have all, we're told, we're given all this imagery and all this stuff about what's supposed to make us feel good and sexy. When the truth is for a lot of women, we've been abused by this like imagery or story or talk. And so it doesn't actually make us feel good. Um, uh, but we think it's supposed to, and it has all the sex energy so it can activate some of that seduction stuff. So it can open that first, it can open those kind of root sexual energies, but in the meantime, it's closing our heart. So then the, the sex that we're having is not open and healing. It's not an expansive experience. It's a dissociative. Okay, I can get turned on, but I have to turn off my heart, mm, right? Yeah. And so I'm really a big advocate of like, it's not time. It can be time, but like really getting to know each other in, a, in an intimate way before going to those places. And if you're going to go those places, go to those places with a lot of spaciousness, like, you know, a lot of um, eye gazing, a lot of physical touch on the limbs of the body, not even on the torso, um, really letting everything that the, the feminine, the feminine, um, and this happens in everybody's different bodies, but the feminine will open when it's relaxed. It wants to. It will get open and wet and like be ready to birth the world and or receive the world, right? Like that's what we are designed to do, but we're designed to do that from this place of softening, softening and blooming. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the, the feminine needs to know it's safe um, and not what is surface safe, intuitive, deeply, actual, subtle body safe. That's what's going to get us really turned on. Most people have never even been fully turned on with, and I don't know if you've talked about this on your show. I, I, I didn't look to see, but like the anatomy, like that we don't just have a clit and that the clit is like massive and lines the outside and that we have, yeah. it lines the inside back and that we, we have all these sponges of erectile tissue and that when we get fully aroused, our actual, our womb starts pulsing, starts like lifting up. And that's when like pounding feels really good when we're really turned on and our womb has lifted. Because if it's down, that's when pounding is like, you're just hitting my back wall. Like, ow. Yeah. <laughs> because the cervix is low, right? Mm -hmm. But when we get really turned on and the womb comes up, like that, you know, the, there's all these things. And that happens when there's, a, when there's a subtle body alignment or it happens when we've dissociated um, and, and we've kind of hijacked that system, which is – a way to live. It's just not the one that I'm here to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's really powerful. I, I love that. And the whole idea of, I loved what you said about the cultural messages that make us, you know, feel like we have to be sexy in a certain kind of way. And I wonder, you know, I'm sure that that's a process and there's all these layers to, to explore and to learn about ourselves, but like, what's a practical step to start that, to say, I'm going to challenge those beliefs or I'm going to try to be more open. You know, I would say it's, and it's funny because it's kind of still like, it's still the, like the truths are out there, you know, but I would say go towards the side of relaxation as opposed to like erotic turn on, like look at how, like really lean towards the sides of like massaging each other's feet, you know, 
playing with each other's hair. Like I said, kind of starting from the extremities and getting yourself really getting each other relaxed and looking for that softening. One of the things that happens is I get really relaxed and then I pass out and then I wake up really turned on. Mm. I'll like actually drop and relax. And it's like, because our culture is so wound up, sometimes it takes, you know, with, and again, that's the kind of thing that we can do faster with practice, just like any meditation practice. If you sit every day, you can drop in more consistently, more quickly. And so in this, so in the same way, if we want to drop into that open, intimate, relaxed sex life, Early on, it might take more time. It might involve more naps because we're turning, we're slowing down our nervous system. I think that was kind of my first, like, go on that side, like that, like just relaxed side, um, and and start with like how turned on can you get without any actual like direct contact with the genitalia, and from the lens of can we combine relaxing with getting turned on and see what happens? Because if there's trauma or resistance to intimacy or vulnerability or being seen, if you're relaxed and you start to get turned on, that's going to be easier to access and navigate um, than if you're just turned on or if you're just relaxed and you're like, oh, I'm just relaxed and I don't have to, I don't have to think about all my sexual stuff because I'm just going to bed, right? But if I'm if I'm relaxed and then and then my sexual energy starts to rise and I go, oh, I'm 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 feeling jittery. I'm feeling like I don't want to be here. That's a chance to go like, oh, okay, right. That's that that's that signal. Like, oh, I don't want to be here. Like, I have to pee like for the seventh time in three minutes. It's like, what's happening, right? And like, you know, and it's good, you know, pee before you have sex. When you get turned on, your um, erectile tissue in um, gets engorged around your urethra so it's natural to feel like you need to pee that's okay go pee that's fine but like if you do you know if you kept if you keep getting these like little things that that are these signals it's, it's that those can be those things to kind of slow down around and say like okay like take three deep breaths and ask actively ask yourself the question and if you're doing this with a partner this is what i mean by like like talk about and playing, like, let's look at how we can deepen the intimacy of our lovemaking, right? I listened to this podcast and she talked about this stuff. Are you interested in doing this with me? You know, I'm a big, like, let's just get transparent. <laughs> let's just like be, let's just like put it on the table, you know, yeah. and say like, this is what I'm looking, especially if this is early on in a relationship, you're setting the groundwork for who you are and how you communicate and how you navigate around sex. You know, it's even harder, I think, if you're three years in or 10 years in or 25 years in and you're going, I listen to this podcast and I want to maybe change our sex life. We've never talked about it in 25 <laughs> years, you know, yeah. like that it could be like that sounds like a little that sounds more stressful to me than talking to a stranger about it personally. Sure. You know, and yeah. so to take that courage of do I want to have this 25 years in when I've been putting up with stuff or do I want to put it on the table now? And so what I, I think I cut myself off saying, ask yourself or ask your partner and do this quietly out loud. Like what, what could this be about that is subtle, that's underneath the surface? Like what's really happening underneath here? And I think, again, this is the kind of thing that we get better at with practice. Like the more we do it, the more quickly we have access to that. I mean, it's like I do this stuff all the day, all day. I navigate what are these subtle body information that I'm getting, but you know, when I was kind of first doing this, I was a teenager and I was getting these massive sex signals. It was a little harder for me to track those subtle signals, you know? Um, And if I was tracking them, I was tracking the other person's, not my own. 
Mm, yeah. And uh, that that's what so I did for about 10 years was I tracked other people's. And that's not bad. I got really good at it. I got to turn that 180 and put that on me. And sure. that's when I really started to kind of heal some of that stuff in me. Amazing. Amazing. You have a very calming spirit too, like as we're talking and I feel, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can see how people really benefit from not only your wisdom, but you have this beautiful energy about you that is very calming. I imagine everyone listening is feeling more relaxed. So thank you. And thank you for your time and your beautiful insight. I wondered if you would share, you've shared so many wonderful tips, but is there one kind of last takeaway you'd like to leave listeners with, whether they want to connect more with their intuition inside the bedroom or out? What's just like one great tip they can start with today see i was thinking about this before it's like this is what i'm gonna say think about the thing you love to do like the thing you love to do more than anything and then do that thing but set a timer like five minutes or ten minutes And as long as you're in that timer, like try to observe yourself doing the thing you love. Mm -hmm. Try to bring your consciousness into like witnessing yourself. So the reason I want to say do something that you love doing is because something that you already know and you feel confident. So potentially you'll be relaxed in. So whether it's taking a bath or going for a run, you know, get in the bath, go for a run, um, start making out, but then bring in this like, can you, can you notice anything? Like, how are you breathing? What does your body feel like? Um, start with your body and then see if you can feel anything outside your body. Are you having any feelings and just kind of play with that. So you can do it sitting. So I'm talking, this is what you do when you do a sitting meditation, um, is well, you do a lot. There's lots of different ways to do sitting meditations, but like a mindfulness practice is to watch yourself You don't need to change what's happening. You just watch what's happening. And so I'm saying you can do it sitting down. You can sit still and do it sitting still, or you can just do something you like doing and then watch yourself while you do it and see what you can start to notice or feel um, expanding your awareness in a space that you already know and love. Mm, I love that. I love that. That sounds like a really fascinating uh, practice. And just to to try it and just to see where it goes. That's so powerful. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And remind everybody, where can we learn more about your work? I have a website and uh, it's Sophia Wise One, all words, dot com. And so that's where you can find me. You can find my blog and all that stuff. I'm on Instagram at Sophia Wise One. I like that. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter, but really my website can email me there. You can find me through that and on Instagram are kind of where I am, am the most. Um, I've got an email list. I've got pelvic floor series. I've got tips for kind of skill sets for helping me heal. I'm going to be publishing a Oracle deck that is, that's open on, on presale on my website right now. So it's a deck of 72 cards. That's all these skills of how you kind of use your intuition, get to know your intuition and get to know yourself. Um, so all of that stuff is on my website and you can pre-order your deck there, or you can just sign up for my email list or just go read my blog. So, and like I said, you can just shoot me an email. If anybody listening has a question about this, just go ahead to my website and, uh, shoot me an email and I'd be happy if I can, I can add anything to it. I'd be happy to see if I can help. Awesome. Thank you so much again for being here today. You're so welcome.
What a fantastic resource. Does everyone else feel like really chill and calm right now? I sure do. Super, super fun. And definitely check out sophiawiseone.com. So we received this awesome question from Jenna, who reached out to me through the Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash mygirlboner. Hope you all will check it out. Feel free to contact us in that way. She had this question for Dr. Megan. She said, I'm married, have been for six years, and I have a crush on a coworker. I think it's pretty innocent, definitely no plans to act on it, but lately I've been thinking about him a lot and fantasizing about him, including during sex with my husband, which I'm embarrassed to admit. Should I try to stop these feelings? Great question, Jenna. Here's what Dr. Megan had to say. Jenna, thank you so much for this question. Um, because, you know, there's just so many ways that um, over the course of our uh, long-term relationships or marriages, we find ourselves sort of finding feelings toward a particular uh, person. It could be a friend, it could be a coworker, and it can sort of be sort of confusing, sort of, you know, where does this fit in, into my life and um, what's healthy or what might be unhealthy. And the first thing I say is there's like no gold standard. Um, and I believe in what I call self as expert. So, you know, I think it's really um, an important question that you're asking in terms of you know, what is the meaning of the sexual feelings that I'm having toward this coworker? Because you're noticing that you're thinking about him a lot and even during sex with your husband. And inherently, there's nothing wrong with that. And at the same time, I guess I'm wondering for you specifically whether or not in any way it feels like a slippery slope. Because um, I know through uh, August, it sort of mentioned that you know, this coworker is somebody that you spend a lot of long work hours with. He's a friend. You know, in many weeks you might see him even more than you have um, time to connect with your husband. And I think it's that quality that can potentially be dangerous in that it can be very seductive when you have a very attentive relationship and you may not feeling that sort of level of connection because you don't in some ways have time with your husband. I always sort of say we can feel like the grass is greener and I'm like, where you water it? Um, so you know, when and if you've been noticing tension or uh, disconnection or frustration in your own marriage, then to me, the fantasies that you're developing and attraction to your coworker, in a sense, becomes more dangerous or a threat to your marriage. And by that, I mean, it's sort of, Imago's got this concept they call exits. And by that, it's like when emotionally you feel perhaps a need can't get met with your partner and you're seeking to get it met outside of your relationship. Um Basically, you're taking energy that you could be pouring into making sex hotter, more passionate, you know, creating those fantasies in real life with your husband. Um, and instead of doing that, is it just sort of easier and you're sort of taking that energy and um, it's going toward, you know, your coworkers. So when and if that feels like it's happening to me, that would be more of a flag, Um because the other thing that's also true is that with your coworker, chances are, you know, you're showing up with the best of yourself. Um, I believe we all have sort of the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, we often only show the bad and the ugly to our partners where we're completely relaxed and they see us, you know, first thing in the morning, late at night when we're irritable, PMSing the whole nine yards. So um, I think it's important to recognize that, um, you know, just check in with yourself. You know, I really believe in that concept of self as expert. 
as you're asking me this question, what feels like your own truth? What feels, does it feel harmless and exciting? And it's just sort of mental fodder that, you know, is, is turning you on and making you more accessible and, uh, aroused with your husband? Or do you find it sort of taking energy away from your relationship? And do you find that perhaps, you know, you're, increasingly daydreaming or having fantasies about this coworker. Because when, if that's happening and it's exclusive to one person versus, you know, fantasizing about multiple coworkers or the guy you see on the street, if it, if it was more generalized, I would, I would think it would, and it would definitely uh, be less of a pose, less of a threat to your marriage. But when, and if it's specific and it's growing stronger to one particular person, I think that should raise a bit of a flag just to check in with yourself. Um, and especially around this idea of what needs might you not be getting or what could you be doing to, in a sense, water uh, sort of the grass and make it greener in your own marriage. Love to hear how it goes and what conclusions you come to for yourself. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I loved what she had to say about, you know, the grass is greener where you water it. That is brilliant. It, it's so true, right? I I can see that whole idea of self as expert being really powerful. And I think it ties into what we were talking about with Sophia, you know, which is trusting our intuition and really asking those questions and looking within. Uh, I hope that was helpful for you, Jenna. I certainly think we can all relate to things like, you know, is this thought a slippery slope or is this something that is just like Dr. Megan was saying, is it general or is it specific? Is this something that's taking away from your relationship or is it like a fleeting thing and it just happens to be somebody that you see a lot, you know? So, you know, it's a lot to sort out, but I think you probably know yourself best. I think, you know, really trusting what you feel and also, you know, what you want. Do you, if you want to have the most intimacy with your partner and this is taking away, then, you know, I'm sure there are ways to shift those fantasies. Or if it's something just more innocent and fleeting that like Dr. Megan had had mentioned, maybe it's something that just turns you on a bit and you can bring that home and then it's a gift to your relationship, you know? So it's, it's always so, so different and individualized. And I just wish you all the best. Thank you so, so much for your question. Everybody feel free to send me questions through Facebook, or you can also find me on my website, augustmclaughlin.com, that contact tab. You can send me an anonymous question, and I would be so happy to bring it to the show. If you are enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss a beat, and consider leaving us a rating and review while you're there. For extras, hop on over to my website. Again, that's augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.